Welcome to Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show. I'm Ted Bonnet. And I'm Phil Proctor, but I don't hear myself. You don't? No. no. You're not missing much. All right. Our producer, Donna's coming in and saying, uh, here, get out of the way. She's saying, get out of the way. (laughs) And there. Oh, my God. I can hear myself. Oh, Oh, this is wonderful. I love listening to my voice. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, we've been gone a month. We've been gone a month, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And I wanted to thank M.C. Ganey, who was a very, very devoted co-host, substitute co-host. Oh, good. He was wonderful. Um, and we had a we had a great time with Troy Evans yes. who was a guest and uh, and Noel yeah Noel, Noel, Blank Noel Blank last week was Mel Blank's uh, son wow. who has had an amazing career himself. was any of that hereditary does he do voices yeah he yeah. does oh in fact he did the voices for uh, a few years after his dad passed I think I mean wow. they Noel was a radio producer his that he and his dad partnered for 35 years and they were doing sort of freeberg like comedy radio spots they discovered they yep. they hired um Robin Williams for his first That's radio right, his gig. first radio gig yes. it's on our website cuz this is also a podcast the sexy boomer show and you can go to sexyboomershow.com you can hear the Noel blank because Noel himself is like a zealot figure he not only does he have incredible stories about his dad but He's been in these incredible circumstances from being best friends with Kirk Douglas and almost dying in a helicopter crash with him. He oh, he was in that. Crash. I remember that. He, yeah, and uh, Noel was witness to Nicole Simpson being introduced to O.J. Simpson the first time and then went on, wow. the, went on double dated with them the first two dates. Wow. And then years later, he's with Bob Shapiro, who's an old friend, and the Kardashians who he went to school with. <laughs> When they got the calls from OJ on the way back, you know, from I watched the, the Kardashians, and I'm, I'm I'm sort of glad Bob's passed, you know? yeah. yeah, because he's rolling over in his whatever. Yeah. His well, we're talking with our guests Fritz Coleman and Louise Palanker, who are doing a podcast of their own. That's right. For a couple of years about the media. It's called Media Path, correct? Yes, sir. The Media, media Path, Path yes. podcast. We're doing a podcast about what we're doing. Which I is, love it. It's the an infinity loop. And it's endless. Oh, There's yes. no escape. <laughs> I, I can see. I don't see any more gray hair, though. No, I, I think... just went to the salon. <laughs> <laughs> when I was talking to Fritz right before the show, I mentioned that Marshall McLuhan, who I had the pleasure to meet in a very funny and strange way, uh, he said the medium is the message. And mm. I kind of understood that. You know, kind of, oh, yeah, well, television is different from movies. And all that. But today, the media is is the message. He couldn't and fathom social media. Right, yeah. there's no control of it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's any, any kind of a message can get through if you believe in the medium that you're listening yes. to. Well, it must be true. Yes. It was on social well, media. Well, yeah, and I think that's a, we've been witnessing, been around a few decades, the, the cascading effect of the fairness doctrine and the commercialization and profitization of the news segments of Licensed broadcasting. Citizens signals. United, all of that. Yeah, has made Citizens such, United. Yeah. Such an, that is, to me, the, the single biggest mistake the Supreme Court yeah. ever made. Yeah, we yeah. should make it Citizens Untied. You know? <laughs> it wasn't a mistake from their perspective, no. it was by design. And right. how dare you not embrace the feelings of corporations, which, yeah. are, which are people. Because they're people, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. big people. Yeah. They're big people. No, but you're right about that. And that's the conundrum we find ourselves in now. 
there, there's no gatekeeping in social media news mm -hmm. delivery. Yeah. How are we going to do this? Because people have been twisted and bent, and that's where we. That's why we find ourselves where we do, mm -hmm. because people really don't know what's true. But and, I'll tell you something. In, in during the Hitler regime, radio was the instrument of propaganda. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was the medium, and that and it was their message. Now we have, you know, right-wing radio stations that uh, thousands of them as compared to one Tom Hartman. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Well, that's because of the siloing effect. I mean, we, no, we, we had this, the water cooler conversations. There were three broadcast networks. There was a, by virtue, a consensus. And now things have been siloed to a point where, without regulation, the shattering effect of attention splitting is yeah, such... Yeah, well, if you're driving, that's yeah, true. It's but shattering I mean, but, <laughs> but it's yeah. disorienting. Hey, it's disorienting My because the chips come from China. Thank you. Thank it you. was like a delay. I'm, here all week. Was a little, I'm sorry. A little timer there. I'm Listen, sorry. You were just going to say No, no. Something. I was going to say that uh, that's just a, a very interesting comment. My friend was a professor at Cal State Northridge and had a whole sort of an investigation he did about this particular uh, phenomenon. He called it vertical learning. Back when we were kids we there were three networks we had these iconic figures which were you know uh, Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite uh, you know Huntley Brinkley those guys and your information came from a, a fairly trustworthy source he said now because it's not a buyer's market I'm, I beg your pardon it's not a seller's market mm. it's a buyer's market you can consume your media any way you want yep. and you can consume only the media you're interested in That's for right. instance he used to describe it to his college students this way if you're interested in only skateboarding you can go on the internet and you can be the most um uh knowledgeable person on the planet about skateboarding but it's a silo as you mentioned mm -hmm. it's vertical learning but that doesn't make for a great voting public because they don't know what's going on on either side of them mm -hmm. i'm telling you if I, 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 i'm pro skateboard vote for me and, and <laughs> if i were skateboarding to be a horizontal <laughs> event <laughs> now no. louise you have a long history you're one of the co-founders of i guess one of the first radio distributors prime uh, pre Premier, Premier Radio. I don't know that we were first. I think it feels like we were sort of midstream, and mm -hmm. we never could have uh, appreciated the wave that we were on was going to hit the shore. It, it just mm -hmm. it it that was an unknown. We radio was radio, and it was forever. And now you just announced at the top of your show this is also available as a podcast because yeah. now streaming is you know pressing pause and coming back to something and having it be there for you is what everyone expects. You know, and it's interesting because we've been doing the podcast for a couple of years, and it's an entire, as you know, it's an entirely different animal from radio. Well, yeah, we and get when, a lot of whales yeah, listening to yeah, our podcast. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we started doing the show here, um, we were talking about how we increased our audience by. Probably a hundredfold. We, yeah, there are like listeners. We people, have listener yeah. now, <laughs> and and the, the the thing is, is that radio still has that collective experience. Um, I get more response and feedback from friends and people who listen to the show because it's still an appointment. It's sort of a group activity. It's it's mm -hmm. an entirely different consumption process than than the podcast is. And that's odd because you would think, well, at least I thought that when the, this global network really opened up to us, I thought, what a wonderful opportunity now to share ideas and all that. And I had, but the narrow casting aspect mm -hmm. of it didn't occur to me. I mean, what, what didn't occur to us was that n not only were people going to only consume content about skateboards if that was their bent mm -hmm. 
but they were also going to want to consume content that agreed with them, mm-hmm. that validated exactly. what right. they wanted to believe was true. Yeah, the echo chamber aspect. Echo chamber. Echo Bias chamber. Confir- <laughs> confirmation. Absolutely. Right, right, right. And that's what's scary because we didn't realize now these people have come to the surface and they're very loud and they're angry mm-hmm. and they enjoy being loud and angry. It's kind of what fuels them. Well, actually, th- th- they are an example of artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's degenerating into a situation that's a bit of a concern. I think we're in a pretty warm, cold war right now mm-hmm. domestically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of that is fueled by agree, you know, using aggrievement to, to um, motivate people because a- anger is an energy, right? And it's, weaponize them. And weaponize them. No, I was going to say about your exact point um, – uh, the thing we have to figure out is where we put the First Amendment aside and then protect mm-hmm. uh, the health and welfare of citizens of the United States. What is free speech? Yeah, what is free speech? I mean, when it becomes destructive, then it's yelling fire in a crowded place. Yeah. But I think the only thing that gives what they call legacy media or all the, the typical um, the typical channels and networks and papers is credibility is that over time, people understand that that's where truth is coming from. Mm-hmm. It's just mind-blowing to me that the previous administration, all the stuff they predicted and all the stuff they blabbed about, none of it came true. Mm-hmm. So how do these these you know digital networks still have credibility? It just kills me. It's, well, it's amazing that Trump... <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> that he, you know, he's up again for defamatory uh, st- statements about uh, the woman that he's going to sue him again. Yes. I think that's fantastic. God bless her. And, <laughs> and, uh, it, and, and it's the same thing that's happening to people. Who, they, they are sticking with him because he's, a, he's victimized. It's yes. a political But, you know, it's interesting. Um, wonderful podcast the New York Times Daily. Mm-hmm. And yes. they, they did a piece yesterday about this, which was fascinating. They were talking about the reporter had gone to the first RNC meeting. It was down in Dana Point to sort of assess what they're going to do for this election. And the conundrum they're facing for selling out is, uh, <laughs> is that uh, there's a solid, unmovable 30% or so of, of the base that will never vote for anything but Trump. Mm-hmm. But that's not enough to elect him. Right. So right. that DeSantis is trying to come in and appeal to that base by not attacking Trump too much. And the so they what you a know, game. he's he, he's Ooh. a human wrecking ball. Yeah. I mean I fo- yeah. I have followed yeah. Trump since New York in the in the late seventies. You were there and you could have warned us ahead of time what happened. You yeah. know, right. <laughs> it's so funny, you know, going back to the we were talking about you know, I would go down south in the early eighties to see uh, my sister married somebody from down there and went down there, I would go to Atlanta. And you know, they always had this distrust of us New Yorkers. You know, fast-talking New Yorkers. And then they end up falling for the one they that... They were bamboozled <laughs> by the biggest... Yes. The one that we all knew was an ass. <laughs> yeah. you know, so. no. You've been doing your show for two years now. Is that about, about right? I'm not good at math, Phil, but uh, it's we just did episode 300 and... No. Oh, my. Wait, what was... No, 137. Wow. I knew there was oh, a three okay. in it. See, Phil, I warned you. I can't, <laughs> I can't even quote numbers accurately. That's but good. 137, so wow. however many weeks that is, because we've only wow. taken a few weeks off. And, and, and you've been... Who would you say was the most interesting person that you interviewed? Or what did you... What are you learning about media and its effect? And, you know, what are you doing with this podcast? We are learning that, you know, you can really embrace your passions from your childhood. All that is now findable. 
you know, TV shows that you, where your parents were, you, you took you somewhere and you missed Flipper, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can find Flipper. He's there. So all the stuff that you thought was just like, like a vapor, you know, drifting yeah. away and, you, you know, you couldn't, you, you, you didn't have enough money to buy that record. That's right. And you don't even remember how it goes. Now you could type in like three words from a song. Yep. And it, Google will show you the song, and then Spotify will play you the song. So we love just finding those things that really, really touched our hearts as kids. And then we love introducing folks to new content that they can enjoy. So we, we start the show by recommending things. We mm-hmm. don't review. We just recommend the things we love. And then we have guests on, and we talk to them about their media path, not only what they're consuming, but what they're creating. I think uh, on our wall of fame, it would be Adam Schiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one wow. of the brightest politicians. His book was so good. Yeah, a hero. He's, yes, and so yeah. dense, and he's got to become senator. I hope you will. But yeah, um, I agree. But and, and Henry Winkler, oh, uh-huh. who nice. may be singly the the most lovely human being in show business. <laughs> oh, we had the pleasure great. of producing a pilot with him for Comedy Central, and the honor was to walk around various places with him and see the planet react to Henry Winkler. Here we go into ICM or one of these places, and the seas would part, mm-hmm. and it's it's the Fonz, and they give him a round of applause, and everybody asked for an autograph, or everybody asked for a selfie, and he was patient with every single person, and looked them in the eye, and Listen. asked them about himself, themselves. I just, it's something that always has appealed to me in my peripheral role in show business, being a local weatherman, which is slightly below dinner theater in the hierarchy. <laughs> but but, um, but uh, I love people who are immensely talented but comfortable in their own skin. Very Henry well is a said. great example of that. Wouldn't you say that he's probably one of the best guests we've had? Oh, yes. He's, he's, uh, he, he's just extremely warm, and he's very interested. He's mm-hmm. very active, and he, he loves knowing what's going on, and he loves participating. So Henry on Twitter, you guys should follow Henry on Twitter. It's, it's almost as good as following Cher. Are you guys following Cher? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's relentlessly Jeez, entertaining. Cher, share. there is not an emoji that Cher hasn't become comfortable <laughs> I think she's just playing emoji roulette. She just taps one. And, you know. I've been following Henry on um, Barry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. What a, I mean, Life I mean, actor. And it, it, that, it, that, that performance has more impact when you know that he is so far the opposite of that yeah, character. You know, Although yeah. his empathy in the character comes out. No, no, that's the only way that people is, get behind Well, here's, here's <laughs> a topper. In Italy, they have a, a, a snack called Fonzie's. Really? Yes. Wow. And it says in Italian on the front, if you ha- if you don't lick your fingers, you're not getting the full pleasure. <laughs> I love wow. that. And they're great. They're like little corn twisty. You know who things. would love that is DeSantis. Because he likes to en- he likes to enjoy pudding with his fingers. Oh, fingers. That's right. Upon occasion, it's been rumored. <clears throat> Fritz, you you mentioned that you were a weatherman. And that's how, of course, I first got to know mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were delightful in doing it. How did you? How did you find your way into that? Now, David Letterman, remember, was also exactly in Indianapolis. He was a weatherman. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will tell you, and I, I say up front as my great disclaimer: real meteorologists hate this story. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a comic at the Comedy Store, and I was working in 1982, and. Uh, my friend that worked at NBC at the time said, I'm coming down to see your show on Friday night. I'm bringing my boss and, uh, and his wife. So he came down there. And I had a short anecdote uh, in the midst of my show. 
uh, because I had started my broadcasting career in Armed Forces Radio when I was oh. in the Navy for four years. And I was on a ship, and I did radio shows and TV shows. And I did weather, uh, and the Navy didn't seem to care that I didn't know anything about weather. <laughs> they just forced me to do it. As long as my shoes were shined and I was reasonably respectful to the anchor people, they didn't care. Yeah, you, so you, I, I told— you told, had a meteorologist who was telling you it was going to happen. No! Then. I oh, would read no, the stuff from it. the AP copy and say, okay, how is it in the central Atlantic right now? And yeah, I would read right. this to the sailors. Personal, and so, personal. Uh, really. And so— after my show was over at the Comedy Store on this Friday night, I went backstage to meet these people, and this man said, I have a question to ask you. It's, it's, it's a little off the wall, but do you have any desire to come to Channel 4 and do some vacation relief weather casting for me? I have a main guy who hasn't had a vacation in a year. I need help on the weekends. Would you have any desire in doing that? And I was making $35 a set at the yeah, Comedy Store. I yeah. said, when do you want me to start? <laughs> I made $35 a week doing an off-Broadway show in 1963 or something like that. Yes. Imagine that. Yes. $35 And, and you were farther up the food chain in fame than I certainly was. But uh, I, I, I was, was climbing. I was starting <laughs> to climb. But, but then he, I, I said, yes, I mean, I, I would love to do that. What do I have to do? He said, well, you have to audition. And I said, I, I think I explained on stage, I don't know anything about weather. And the boss said, this will be perfect. There's no weather in California. <laughs> yeah, this will work right. out great. Weather and So not. this is true. It's a true story. So I got my job from doing uh, it from the comedy store. And and over the arc of time, I retired two weeks shy of my 40th anniversary there. Wow. wow. But over the arc of time, now there's climate change and people are yep. taking weather really yeah. serious. And so I, co I couldn't even get the job. Everybody has to have the AMS seal now, that American Meteorological Society thing. That oh. means that you have a degree in... Uh, meteorology or atmospheric sciences, I couldn't pass that test. And try booking them. I, the, the, the person that's always quoted in the, the papers at UCLA, the weather... Uh, yeah, I know. They have a, yeah. Can't get them. You know, they, they're so inundated with media requests. No, it's a big deal now. It's a big yeah. deal. And uh, for anybody, and for any disbelievers now, you better pull your head out of wherever it is because it, it's here. So it's, it's true. that you. So you were a weather forecaster on a major market... <laughs> Two yes. major markets, San yes. Diego too, right? Yeah. Yes, we and San Diego, Diego for a while too. Because they always said that it's like back in you know back east, we you'd hear about that. that. Well, there's no weather in LA. What does a weather forecaster do? And there is weather in LA though. That's sure. just a broad statement. So did by you people learn who are, it? Did you... who are who are vacationing here for a brief period of time? Yes, I learned over time from on-the-job training that there are four or five recurrent weather patterns in Southern California. Ah. The main one between April and November is morning clouds and fog, hazy afternoon sun, high in the low 70s. <laughs> what was the question? Yeah. But, my, but, my, but, but as a comedian, my function was greater than being a weatherman. I, I, was, I considered myself the palate cleanser between the tragedy and the sports. Very good. Somebody needed a tire squealing Amuse bouche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, I, and so, uh, but, but that, that role is completely gone now. Now they're not playing around, you know? If yeah, they, well, if I had read years ago that um, local news, television news, was always having to appeal to every demographic. Yes. And hmm. the weather forecast. Why they call it broadcast. Yes. Hmm. And the weather forecasting segment was a prime opportunity to hire somebody that would appeal to older ladies. 
<laughs> who didn't like the violence. So they would always try to hire a young looking, like a nice boy. A nice boy. That's yes. our Fritzy. I'm, That's I'm Fritz. the quintessential it's nice Fritz. boy. <laughs> and so and we <clears throat> You know, when we started and, put when we st- when I started producing his plays and we would take them around. Yeah. It, the, one, it, one man uh, one man shows. Yeah. One man shows. So that Ian was the a, a young tech guy that would advance the slides on a, a, a play that he did that included like a you know audio yeah. visual presentation. Mm-hmm. But after the show one day, uh, Ian go, Ian whispers to me out of the side of his mouth. You know, as he sees that you know Fritz bum rushed after the show, <laughs> Ian goes, Fritz can get all the eighty year old tail he wants. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it, it, the thing about it is, it, it, you you expressed it perfectly. We're the only non threatening part of the newscast, which is the weather. Yeah, but now the, it is. Yeah, the, it, now it is. Now it's killing people, and it's oh my god, here we go. But uh, but uh, it, it was. Uh, it was this recurring character, and mm-hmm. and, and local media is very interesting um, because you become part of the continuity of people's lives. And I learned this from people's response to me in the public, both good and bad, that even if they don't like you, if you're on the air for 40 years, mm-hmm. they know who you are. Yeah, you used to the call uncle. it TVQ. You would have Familiar. a high recognizable yeah. factor. Yeah. Even if they hated your guts, right. they knew exactly who you were. But when you think about it, I came on at the same time, 20 after 5, for 40 years 40 in a years. row. Wow. So people would turn the TV on. Oh, Fritz is here. I must still be alive because there's the guy that But seriously, you become part of the continuity of their lives. Yeah, it's a, you become part of their family. That's really interesting. Your, your son may Fritz. not call, but Fritz will be on. Yeah, and that's Right, and 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 truthfully, it's one of the only mediums where you break the fourth wall, mm. and there's an intimacy. Even though it's a false intimacy, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. an intimacy that goes along That's with right. that, and so you really connect to people. And then you have an 85 year old woman that will come up to me in Vons at 10 o'clock at night and say, "Listen to me. I watched you all the time you've been on the air, and I love you. You're a part of my family. And don't ever wear that tie you wore last week. <laughs> it's very unflattering all to right, your eye color. They have a proprietary interest in you. It's Did you know that Fritz's mother was the first woman in her county? to invest in a satellite dish so that she could make sure her son was okay in Florida. Now, you implied that you were a character, that you were playing a part. I never got that vibe from you watching. No, it, it, I, I think I played a part within the newscast. Good. You, but I mean, I, I, I think because I'll tell you another thing I learned. It's very interesting you brought that up. The camera does not lie. People can see into mm-hmm. your soul. It's so interesting because <laughs> mm-hmm. I would do I would do uh, speaking engagements and people would say, uh, "What's the deal with that anchor guy at five o'clock?" You know, what's you know because and he, although he's never said anything overtly negative, yeah. people can see people's attitude. They can see their narcissism. Mm. They can see the way they react with their coworkers, and they just know that you, you don't have to say anything. You know, they I, just know. When I first right. moved west from New York, um, I didn't have anything going yet. And I wanted to pick up – I wasn't going to go back. I had just moved in the late fall, and I wasn't going to go back east for Christmas. It was too early. So I thought, I know how to get some work real fast. I can write new because I wrote for CNN and NBC back oh, in, wow. in New York. And so I thought, oh, I'll just go to a local, which I've never done. So I went to Fox, which was at the time – or I guess it still is – a union shop. It was actually yeah. a pretty good pay. yeah. yeah. And I was I thrust into this environment for the first time for about a week or two. First of all, there's certain things you learn about Christmas time in a newsroom. 
<laughs> you do get the turkey dinners, but they're only from Chinese restaurants. <laughs> all the Chinese restaurants oh, and, like the and movie. all the all the news personality and reporters, they each take turns buying the news writers and the crew dinner. That's sort of their penance sure. for, for sucking the wind out of everybody's pay. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just it was really fascinating. And um John Beard. Was That's the guy that brought his boss to see me perform because he worked at Channel 4 I'll at the time. John did. John's one of my best friends. I'll be wow. Now, I, I spoke to him yesterday. Oh, well, He's he, retired well. in Buffalo, New York. He lives in a hotel with his dog and he's never been happier. He's really growing a beard. So he <laughs> came in. So I was observing him. I was you know, just observing the personalities of this news team and what they were doing and the, the, the women in the really tight dresses. Who were doing was doing weather? I don't know how I you know. competed with that. Yeah. If but, you can watch the weather with the sound turned down. Oh yeah. So yeah, John, <laughs> and this is not taking anything away from John, but it's like, what gets him that salary? And I was watching him. Yeah. He came in kind of late. Go, was a very nice guy. Goes into his office. He reads through. Yeah. You know, very, very low key. Comes in and says, hey, "Try that." And, you know, okay, great, John. Very low key. And he gets on, and we write the we write the newscast. And now I'm going to sit around and wait for ten o'clock to see how it goes. And I'm just watching him intently of like, what's his secret? And he's just a regular guy, sits down, and then they're doing the countdown to three, two, one. And he does this face like, good evening. <laughs> and I went, there he is. There it is. Ray Hamburger. <laughs> but I, I, I must tell you, uh, 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 he's been my friend for a long time. I, I worked in radio in Buffalo when he worked in television. Oh, I worked wow. for the radio station, WBEN that was owned by the television station where he was the anchor and we got together and spent many nights in bars late at night. And he is one of the few people who is exactly the same personality-wise, not delivery-wise, mm -hmm. off the oh, air yeah. as he is on, one of the funniest, warmest people and people loved him. Mm -hmm. And uh, not a workaholic. You know, no. he committed five minutes before right? the show. and yeah, That's kind of what I picked up on. Yeah. And I was like, it's all his technique his technique no it's it really is he was a great uh, television communicator and those days are drifting away too oh, the, they are, the importance they? of the main anchor person yeah. is drifting down that oh, because yeah. of cable news mm. but it must have been a, an interesting uh um sort of a, a complex feeling for you i know it was for him because Fox was just doing a local newscast. They didn't have the political bent that the network had. That's right. But people would paint them with the right-wing aura that they mm. thought was – and he and said they, it was a tough thing. They're separate entities. They yeah, really absolutely. are. The prime so, time uh, is entertainment. I we, we ran into the same thing at NBC because MSNBC is the left version of yeah. – and, and so people would come out, ah, it's all left-wing crap in the public. I said, well, not us. No, no. no. We're, we're doing drive-bys. Yeah. We're, we're doing freeway chases. How could that exactly. be politically bent? That's right. I, I, you know, anecdotally, but, you know, I find that Fox News affiliates in even smaller markets usually have a much better operation than yeah. the others. Uh, and, yeah. and they are completely separate. They are a news yeah, gathering they, they, operation. They, they, they don't have a political axe to grind. They're just local news. Right. It's a whole different set of circumstances. But they did come over to me at one point and said, Ted, Ted I'm, I'm so sorry to make ask you to write this, but it's like day old news. But it's good. And it was bloody. It was bleed at Leeds, right? So it was right. just, it was accident footage. But oh, it was the dear. it was the telegenics yeah. of the story. It didn't matter that it was old oh, news. No. Now people would say to me, Why is it important to show a fire at an apartment building in Chicago yeah. to a Los Angeles audience? And I said, Because it's a visual medium. It's whatever raises yep. the emotions of the person viewing. And if you see a fire where people are jumping out the window, they don't care if it's in Chicago or San Francisco. Right. It still has an emotional uh, reaction, of, and, and that's you know that's an interesting point. I, I I have a lifelong 
consumer of nightly news. Mm-hmm. You know, I read papers primarily, but I want to see the visuals to organically sort mm-hmm. of connect with the story. Mm-hmm. And so I have, you know, my dad, it's just a hit, you know, my dad's gone now, but we kind of grew up watching NBC News and we always liked Lester Holt. You know, Absolutely. we always liked yeah. Lester Holt. Good guy. So I'm watching Lester Holt. And I got to say, in the last year or so, they have really softened their edge and it's pandering and it's emotional and they run. Literally, NBC Nightly News runs the same footage, sometimes two, three newscasts in a Mm. row. Wow. And their whole A block, which is usually the first four minutes the other day, was devoted to the chase of the Royals in New York, which was the New York Mm -hmm. City Police said was a Mm non-story. They did a full five minutes because they wanted to connect it to the Mm -hmm. horrors of Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. death. I don't watch network news. I, I watch MSNBC. Mm-hmm. So I know Lester Holt exists, but I don't watch his show because it doesn't seem necessary after I've watched like mm. a couple of blocks of Nicole Wallace and... Yeah, because yeah. they're dealing with the same news. Yeah, pretty much. I, I and as we as we said at the beginning, um, the 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 iconic tentpole guy is not important for the newscast anymore. I mean, that was because, you know, in the Cronkite era, that newscast was an amalgam of everything you needed to know in the day. In the, right, of the day. Right, you right. had no other resource to go to other than the newspapers. So you could learn a little about politics, a little about international affairs, uh, a little about uh, something interesting locally that happened. Now, if you're interested in politics, you go to one of the cable Absolutely. networks. Right, so they're looking for a viewer who isn't me. So I'm yes, not sure yeah. what they're after, but they're after someone who is not as invested in the news. Well, you know what I do now? I listen to CNN and and MSNBC on my smartphone. Mm. Yes, just, absolutely. Just listening no, I do the to the, the, the app on that, and they have wonderful descriptions of the stuff that they're showing. And I, I'm doing the old radio; I see it in my own imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to really watch the the Ukraine war footage to know no. what's happening. Now, I want to mention one thing: both of you have a connection to Buffalo. Yes. Were you born? Born in Buffalo, Louisa? Born and raised. Born and raised in right. Buffalo. I'm so sorry. Is that why you're here in California? I'm so sorry. I am, <laughs> as, as Fritz would describe in one of his many wonderful shows, I'm here for to let my toes thaw. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. That is, that's still the way up there. Yeah, I worked there for four years. Yeah. You I, I worked at ABC in Buffalo. And that's you're, from, I, you're from Pittsburgh. Uh, Philadelphia. Wikipedia. Oh, Philly. Oh, Philly. Oh, Wikipedia. I have a connection with that, My uh, the Amish side of my family. Oh, uh, listen. Lancaster, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Easton. Yeah. And Reading and Easton. I'm a Yoder on my mother's side. Oh, my gosh. And Yoder is like, That's you the, know. Everybody who's Yoder. You're a Yoder. You know? Amish is named Yoder. Yoder. That's right. right. You don't have to change your name when you get married. So. No. <laughs> the towels, you can keep them embroidered. Right, with the big yeah. Y. It's a beautiful part of the United States. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful part. So I don't know what, what, what I was saying. What was I saying? Well, we were oh, talking I about- worked in Buffalo. And so in Buffalo, my first job doing weather was uh, filling in for the main weather guy at noon. And, they ha- and their shtick was the weather outside. And every day, 365 days a year, regardless of what typhoon, <laughs> what nor'easter was blowing across Buffalo, you stood <laughs> in that. The they way. would open the 
the garage doors during the commercial <laughs> preceding weather. They would wheel the green screen out there, anchor it down with sandbags so it didn't blow away. <laughs> the and, and then I'm standing out there in, with a with an Alaskan parka, <laughs> and all you could see was my mouth moving. And every day we had to do the weather. Well, he was like the parakeet because it's like if this guy can survive, we can go out there. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the canary, the canary, yeah. the parakeet. Yeah, the, the, the canary. Sorry. He is a, no, because it, yeah, so I feel like I paid talk. my karmic right. debt back there so I could be a weatherman out here, not having any weather. Well, so. I'm a little confused on the timeline. So when you were doing stand-up out here and got asked to do stand-up, you had already done weather. I, ha- I had, but it was really I, – I didn't even describe to them that I had that Did they know that? Because I was really bad, and I did it like six times for the new guy at the ABC station, uh, WK. Oh, so they didn't know. No. But it was sort of in your uh, <laughs> destiny, obviously, weather. Oh, I know. That's, that's oh, a big sigh. <laughs> but I mean, I, I love the origin story because I always describe it as the greatest show business oh. accident that occurred since Rita Hayworth was discovered at Schwab's pharmacy. Is that who was discovered? At, or Lana Turner was discovered at Schwab's pharmacy. That's wow. right. I mean, that is, a, you did have Unbelievable. the, the, you had the perfect And the gig. older I get, the more I understand I was the beneficiary of oh. insane amounts of good luck. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, since you were with doing this for such a long time, the media was changing. Absolutely. Wasn't it the medium, I should say. <laughs> Though, because I remember watching uh, in New York a guy who had little magnets Oh yeah, put on, or yeah. the guy that could write backwards with a grease pencil. Yeah, or, oh. yeah, and so you Stormfield had, and Frankfield. Storm, yeah. So you, you had yeah. to keep up with the changing media. What was that like? Yes. Well, uh, the presentation has improved greatly over time. Yes. The uh, accuracy has not necessarily improved <laughs> over time. Good. Point. Now we have all kinds of great electronic things to keep you. It's like a misdirection. As long as you Satellite see the, the glowing red lines, dazzling. Oh, yeah. Everything must be good, but still, it's only eighty-five percent accurate. Yeah. Look at those yellow marks. Oh, that's heavy <laughs> rain. I'm glad I'm not living there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually imagined that uh, as a writer. I once wrote a piece about a weatherman and how suddenly you could get pictures from satellites. This is way back. It's like Fireside Theater doing kind of a predictive the best, thing, you know? The best. Oh, thank so, you. Thank yeah, you very No, much. it was. They were so and experimental and freeform and... Yeah, I that's know why that's it's cool. To get when to talk when to I you. met you after one of your shows, that was what we talked about, you know, and Lord how lucky how lucky we both were. Jamie Allcroft, a, a good friend of both of ours. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I love Jamie. Love and Jamie. Jamie, I'm sorry. Well, no, just that I love him. <laughs> well, you know, but here's here's for those who don't know Jamie, uh, he was. Uh, uh, a popular comedian with a fellow named Mac uh, Dryden. Dryden. Mac Dryden. And it was uh, Mac and Jamie. And they had a television show on CBS and all this stuff. But he had a bad heart condition. Mm-hmm. And about, gee, I guess it's maybe almost four years ago now, mm-hmm. he had a heart and liver transplant. Isn't And he's with and he's us a now. It's and, a miracle. And the yeah. miracle of it was he had he was actually over the age. Yes. There, That's a right. You're right. He was over and, the age. And made an not a lovelier guy. I said, this is the karma wheel spinning yeah. gently for Jamie. He was, yeah, Jamie's, of course, been on our show. And actually, we did a boomers thing, uh, which you can two see. Two boomers on a bench. Two boomers oh, on a bench. Man, that was hysterical. <laughs> Thank you. And when you look at it, I mean, I'm lo- it's still timely. Oh, of course it is. You, know? yeah. and you probably could have expanded that a little bit. You yeah, might have been yeah. a little early to b- draw people's attention. People People are used so. to watching shows on the internet now. You probably could re- reintroduce that. And- yeah, you're right. It, it, and, and one of the mistakes that we made, uh, a media consultant told us, friend, Uh-oh. was be on as many platforms as you can. Mm. 
Now, mm-hmm. how do they reach your show? Give yeah, us well, a first link. of all, how, tell us about your show and how, yeah. you, how did you guys get together to do this and when? We've been friends for I, I don't know how many years, but thirty five, maybe thirty five years. Did you meet through his stand up? Or, or I went to see a play that he was doing, his first play. Oh, a friend took me to see his play, and it was a, such a small theater that you could actually engage in a conversation with him during the play. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I thought this would make a great. It was a fa- it was a Father's Day. It was a father's sort of. Play. He was ge- he was leaving a time capsule message for his boys that they could watch when they were old enough, so that they could learn more about him and the background of their family, etc. So I said, "How about a Father's Day special on and you know on NBC?" And we just started talking, and we hit it off, and we've been f- we've been friends. I started teaching his kids drums and guitar, and oh wow, you know, that's he- right. You you play the drums, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, and you've got a set up in your home where your studio is, where I had the pleasure of doing, I, I think I did two shows with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You did our, my previous podcast, Things I Found Online, with Jamie Alcroft yeah, yeah. and Danny Mann. And Danny Mann. Yeah. Danny. Two of the funniest <laughs> men in the world. Funny, funny people. We did, I think our very first show was with Jamie and Danny, and wasn't Danny, it? Yes, at, it was. At, at Shea J. Ah, our, 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 oh yeah, our bright idea. It was, it was just a smart idea. It was a charming idea to do a, 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 a conversational podcast from a restaurant that had a great famous a real story lunch. behind uh-huh. it. Was the table ten? Are you familiar with Shea? Shea J is one of the old of the last old joints in Santa Monica, yeah. and it's right by the pier on Ocean Avenue. And it is adjacent to um, what the old building of the Rand Corporation. So there is one, and this is a place where Steve McQueen and all the guys would hang out there because John Fitzgerald meeting because, with Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, because there was no, there were no uh, paparazzi allowed. Jay, who ran the place, was very cool about that. So guys could come in there. Robert Mitchum, they would all hang out there. Yeah, the, and this little this, room, and there's just yeah, there's, there's is, a booth in the back called yeah. Table Ten, table and 10. it has curtains around it, and it's where um, Warren Beatty cast shampoo, <laughs> and it was where it was where Henry Kissinger would dine when he was at the Rand Corporation. It's allegedly where the Pentagon Papers were handed over. It's Whoa, also yeah. where wow. Marilyn Monroe hid out until she got the call. They'll go down to Peter Lawford's place on the beach to hook up with the president. So we thought, well, what a, what a great place to Heavy have vibe a vibe in there. Let's have, yeah. let's have a let's have a radio show. Let's just push those ghosts out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so we had so we had uh, we had no idea what we were doing. No, and, and in the background, of course, you know, it was fun. The live audience aspect of that must have been fun. I think that'd be a fun podcast. I always tell people if you're going to do a podcast that's supposed to be coming from this really cool location, do it in a booth. Yeah. And add the sound afterwards. So smart. Yes. That it, you just cannot control how right. annoying a a, a, a yeah. fork hitting a plate is going to sound, <laughs> and you can't get it out of and the no, mix. Nobody had time to eat. The guests, <laughs> no, the no. guests never got lunch. <laughs> no, is it? You know. And then the uh, pandemic hit, and that was the end of that. Uh, speaking of that, we missed having lunch with you today because of uh, some mix up in the media. It was path. a media mix up. <laughs> the, 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 the the media. Media in this path. Yeah, somebody <laughs> took a shortcut and went over there. Anyway, uh, so I brought uh, some. I uh, brought some cookies for dessert. <laughs> All right. All right. And uh, got, oh, he's got them in his, his yeah, coat pocket. These are them out of his they're contraband. <laughs> uh, so they look like they're gluten free. They uh, well, Thank isn't, you. isn't everything. Anyway, so Louise, actually, they dessert. look like communion wafers. You, you, um, <laughs> here's the wine. <laughs> you have such a remarkable career in radio, yes. being a co-founder of Premier, which is still, you know, under the iHeart umbrella, it is. is the largest producer of radio programming in the country, according to the website, at least. 
I don't. I don't think they're making that up. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't think they are I, either. I, I think that you can believe that. That sounds accurate. So, what does we, it feel like? <laughs> well, we, we talked about that, but what is your take now doing the podcast? Uh, you know, what, what is your take on the mediascape at this point? There's less people who come to work, uh, and I know all the names. You know, Premier got to the point where, like, my partner Steve would just be like, hey, buddy, you know, and people would come into my office and go, I don't think he knows my name, and I'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't think he does. <laughs> if you hear someone yelling, buddy, turn, it could, it could be you. It could be you. <laughs> and what, what, your nickname is Wheezy, is that right? Right. How did, how did that happen? <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, there's no H, so you don't have to make any sort uh, oh. You don't have to gasp or anything. No, it's a nickname for Louise. Wheezy. And it, I was a page on the Jeffersons. So oh, if your name really? is actually Louise and you're a page on the Jeffersons, I don't write these rules, Ted. This is just the way it is. Yeah, you're going yeah, to acquire yeah. that nickname and you're going to embrace it because mm-hmm, yeah. the great Isabel Sanford. Uh, oh, who, that's beautiful. Uh, you know, George Jefferson would yell, Izzy! So <laughs> I didn't call when he yelled for me because I knew he was referring to Isabel. But on the Jeffersons, her name is Louise and his nickname for her is Wheezy, Wheezy, and I've just been Wheezy ever since. I, was, I, I went to the American Comedy Awards with Edie McClurg many, many years <gasps> Love ago. Love her. Oh, and um, we, 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 she was, it was a funny night because she wasn't part of the ceremonies. I know Tom Hanks came up to talk about uh, Forrest Gump, so that sort of dates it. That's mm-hmm. where he talked about how it took 10 years to get that movie made. 10 years ago to make. So we were in what they call, I guess they call like a cutaway table. Mm-hmm. So we're under the lights so they can cut away to the celebrities going, ah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and Edie was asked to do that. Mm-hmm. And Edie was not Tommy happy genius. about being oh, a, I don't want to be a cutaway be table. Be a camera monkey. No. And so, <laughs> so people got progressively drunker. And sharing the table was... Uh, George Jefferson. Ah, Sherman. Sherman. Sherman said. And as we're all waiting, because it was late, you know, they were late on getting it started, and George, you know, and and Sherman's getting a little drunk, and it was just surreal. And then Sherman's getting tanked. J.J. Walker. (laughs) J.J. Walker comes over, and the two of them are like razzmatazzy, and I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm like having a hallucination. And, (laughs) and, and, And it just kept going and going, and finally Sherman just says, and every year, same thing. They always start two hours late, two hours late. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty true. George Jefferson. Edie's That's a getting, pretty darn good impression. He's <laughs> getting increasingly pissed. No, Sherman was actually a, a very shy man. And huh. I, I do not know. Uh, that's hmm. the most, like, jumping into character, that was the biggest transition I've ever witnessed as a really? page. Because I did all the Norman hmm. Lear sitcoms the year that I was a page. We well, how fa- exciting. Facts of life, different strokes, one day at a time. Well, then, did I, did I meet you? I did uh, Your Insurance is Cancelled. Of, yes. Uh, on, did you? Uh, I had a family. name tag. I was wearing a polyester I was, uh, blazer. <laughs> but anyway, I've seen the episode. It's really quite which, funny. Which show were you on? It's called Your Insurance is Canceled. That's the name of the show. Yeah, some black people had moved in next door. I was his cousin. So you're talking about the Jeffersons. Wendell Hornsby. No, he's talking about Wendell Hornsby. All, I was his, all in the family. You're talking all, about all, all in the family. family. Yeah. Oh, Didn't I, I, I wasn't a page on All in the Family. Oh, drat. Yeah. Well, we'll no, just that, turn. Let's turn really, that page. Then. Look at those just shows. Just a spin-off the Jeffersons. Show. In black content and all in the family would never get yeah. made now. We're so politically correct. So true. That the, the, the topics and the areas that they broached on there would never, they'd never make it. Well, you, I, would, I would beg to differ because Norman Lear was a visionary. So he, you know, he knew 
in in his time period what you what you needed to put out there and what would be really pushing an envelope in mm-hmm. a in a positive direction and the and have you seen the live reenactments and yeah. word by word from the scripts of the Jeffersons uh, different strokes uh, I can't, all, all in the, in the family. family yeah and they're as timely today yeah of course well that's right I mean they were ahead of their time but yeah. I mean to go in and do a pitch where you're talking about the N word in the Jefferson mm-hmm. show which they dropped all the time they would mm-hmm. never do that no. now and uh, some of the political and racial stuff in, in All in the Family, I, I bet they would edit. But we have such a racial history in this country. <laughs> oh, it, what God. happened? Not in Florida. <laughs> no. oh. But I think that, I think that the, and I thought they were brilliant shows. Don't get me wrong. But I also think that it did sort of empower people to laugh and be able to say words they couldn't say, even back then. Yeah. I mean, I witnessed it that. No, I think it served a great purpose, and we need it yeah. now. It's, yes, but but that, there's an honesty that goes with that, and I think we're, we're avoiding honesty at all costs now. Well, do you think there – I mean, you are you doing stand-up? Your, yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. are, have you had to change – I don't do any politics. Uh. And I, I, I have a new special that streams on Tubi called oh. about being old. It's called Unassisted Living. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I just talk about the common experiences related to aging because – and what made this saleable to a streaming service, and we're going to try to spread it to others – is that I think our demographics, boomers and older, are way underserved in the stand-up area oh, on streaming are. because people my age don't want to be assaulted with profanity. I mean, I, I, I love Dave Chappelle. I think he's brilliant. I love Chris yeah. Rock. But there are a lot of people that don't want to be assaulted with that language or the raw material. So I thought, yeah. well, there there's an underserved part of the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, because so, I, I, I knew Richard Pryor. Yeah. And he really was the first one to break yes, that yes, barrier. Yes, of course. Everybody's yeah. just doing an offshoot of Richard. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I and, and and so that that made it sort of uh, appealing to the Tubi folks, and so uh, it's fun. It's just common experiences of getting old. It's uh, your kids and your grandchildren kids doing school on Zoom. It's about vaccinations. It's about all kinds. Oh, people yeah, starting fights. But I don't do po- all. To, that was a long way to go. I don't do politics. Yeah. I think people now just sorely need a one hour escape from all yeah. the crap they're living. I want to tell you a funny day. thing. I I, I co authored. A, uh, a play with Samuel Joseph called uh, God Help Us. And, we, and it was a political show. God brought down a, two talking heads, a liberal and a conservative, and, had, and was asking them to debate these ideas. He was afraid that the fabric of his universe and the, his beautiful planet was being torn asunder by, uh, by this partisanship. And we wrote this funny play about it. And well, how long ago was that? Oh, this is about uh, three years ago. Ed, oh, okay. Ed Asner played Aww. God. Bless his heart. Yeah. And we t- he toured uh, America and some of Canada with it. And people loved it because we were presenting both sides of the story. And the, 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 the end of the thing for God was basically uh, switching parts so that the – he he made the conservative into a liberal and the liberal into a conservative. And by the way, it was a man and a woman who had a previous history mm. together. Yeah, okay. That's kind of the way they do family therapy. Let's do some role reversal. Exactly. Now. You hit your husband with a baseball bat now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, that and sounds great. <laughs> it was well embraced. I'm so sorry we lost Ed. We haven't been able to find somebody to fill those wonderful shoes. 
of mm-hmm. his. You're listening to Phil and Ted's Sexy Boomer Show on KPFK with our wonderful guests, Louise Palenker and Fritz Coleman. And I got to say, we're very honored to be considered sexy boomers, aren't you? That's oh, the highest compliment right. I've ever been paid. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, I appreciate that, uh, it, how... It, interesting and enjoyable it is to be sexy for this hour you know we, we get a lot of that and you know that wasn't the, the intention that wasn't the intention the, at all no, it's a wink I we, know. We, no what we did was we uh when we were starting we we're going to call this show well it's we're talking to boomers yeah. so boomers should be in it yeah and uh, what else my what wife else? melinda peterson was present for this yes and i had made a movie i made a documentary called mau mau sex x and just because i had that title in it I had. What was it about? Just it was. It was a profile of two uh, old film exploiters who laughed all their way to the bank doing pre pornography, the worst movies ever made. Just hilarious. Is that streamable? That sounds really. Fun. It is. It's well, you can see it on Vimeo. Oh, great! So that. you you titled your show with search terms that are popular. Boomers That's right. And sexy. Sex, so sexy. You boomer. guys are geniuses. Oh, thanks. Well, <laughs> you thank our sweet. listener. And, we, uh, we should change the name of our show to se- sexy, sexy Media. Well, so, the, so the point is, the point is, is that you know we were talking about is like this: the, the baby boomers is a much maligned generation at this point. I mean, yes, yes, okay, yes, guilty as charged. However, um, not entirely, and we also are by far the wealthiest demographic. Yes, we're uh, idle. Speak for yourself. There's people want to, uh, <laughs> you know, people want, you know, people are available want to be entertained. They're not being spoken to. It's this really grand opportunity but oh as you know 55 plus don't know about podcasts well that's very very true as a matter of fact when we first started we did little tutorials on how to launch a podcast (laughs) but you have to the way that i look at it is that they've they've barely mastered audible Mm -hmm. audio books they can listen to a book in their car Mm -hmm. and i I think the next step is hey uh, grandpa listen show me your phone because it's they don't re- they hear the word podcast and they think it, it's like saying HBO to a person who doesn't have HBO. Yeah, it's not for me. I don't have it. It's I, I don't I don't get podcasts. Yes, you do. Everyone gets podcasts. If you have a phone, it came yep. with a podcast app. All you have to do is type into the search field media path or they, sexy they, boomers right. if you start typing the word sexy though it's going to autofill some other stuff so <laughs> yeah be prepared for that that's keep, true keep typing <clears throat> don't get distracted <laughs> by the way i have to mention june is audiobook month ah and uh, i did an audiobook of my book where's my fortune cookie oh where i added some new material and everything and uh, it's going to be available now uh, at Sue Media. I mean, they're just pushing it again. Uh-huh. Where's my fortune cookie? Phil Proctor, SueMedia.com. You'll find it. You know, and the other thing, too, is Audible Search, where you just can – that's one of the things I talk to younger people in their 30s and 40s, like tech bros that are, you know, like um, – and I found out that they actually are buying Siri for their parents because they're tired of the questions. Like, <laughs> where is this? Just talk to the box. Just talk to well, the box. Well, yeah. I, 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 you buy it for the safety aspect of it. I bought it for my mom and, uh, and uh, the, because she lived alone until late in her life. She had uh, – she wanted to be able to turn the lights off and on at mm-hmm. will. She wanted to turn the heat up and down at will. Mm-hmm. She wanted a security system. She wanted the the um, the cameras and everything. And then 
um, like three days after she installed it, she called me. She said, I keep talking to this thing, and it's just not responding to me. And I said, well, well let's go through it. And how do you do it? She said, Siri. Uh, and I said, well, first of all, it's Alexa. It's not Siri. Siri's in the car, <laughs> Mom. Google. And, and then, and then. She and, only had one kid because she didn't want to learn a lot of names. No. <laughs> that's, that's right. And, and, and. Uh, and I said, you have to pose everything as a question. It's like Jeopardy. Yeah. Everything has to oh, be a question. question. In the form <laughs> of a right. question. And so, anyway. Did, but you, but did she get the hang of it? Yeah, she did. But, but theoretically, they could bark out, hey, play me the Media Path podcast, and it yes. should come on. Absolutely. Oh, yes. People do that. Or the Sexy Boomer But you do have to show. say, Alexa, and I hope if I'm saying this on your radio, it didn't ignite your Alexa. No. I, mean, I do I, apologize. It, <laughs> did you see the, the SNL skit about... Uh, uh, what, uh, whatever the name is, uh, present for older people. Yeah, I did. Where you could, see, you, you could, she would answer to Excedrin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be grandson. <laughs> grandson. Uh, uh, anyway, it, it is amazing. The robots have won. We oh, folks, no. you know they have. No, there's no robot as funny street. as you, Phil. Oh well, you're, you're we're, funnier we're, than any we're robot. Not, well, we're not talking. Artificial intelligence cannot write a joke. No, that's you. You took the words right out of yeah. my mouth. I said, I think the last entertainment medium that won't be faked is ours. <laughs> is is humor? Humor. And, you know, because it's about attitude and. Uh, I don't know. It, uh, I, I put out a thing called Planet Proctor. I don't know. Are you on my, yes. my list? And Fritz, I'll send it I, to I you, I will too. get there. I'll get uh, on it. And, and Planet Proctor, uh, the last issue, I published uh, one article in, in the thing that was written by artificial intelligence that Ted gave me. Mm. And nobody gets it. Very know, few it, people It's mind-blowing how it is. But uh, humor is a different thing. Yeah. Humor is an alchemy that I don't know that yeah. we'll ever be able to. I hope not anyway. I hope not. Well, That's it was interesting. Right. I used the free chat GDP program to find out, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. This to, is to ask, you know, who is Phil Proctor and who's Ted Bonnet. And mm -hmm. they both completely got it wrong. So then wow. I upgraded to the $20 a month chat DDP4 <laughs> and both both responses Oh, you want facts. Yeah. That'll be more, that'll yeah. cost you more and money. Both responses were we don't have any information on these people. <laughs> wow. So, Maybe if you have a Wikipedia page though it it would. Yeah. Phil, you should have a Wikipedia page, you don't? You know, uh, uh, the answer to that is yes, there's a Wikipedia thing on, on me and I don't know if it's no, no I've, hit, I've hit out well we're out of time can you oh, believe it oh wait a second I had more things to say uh -oh. I wanted to be sexier oh well you, know, you <laughs> come, come back less okay. is more on the sexy thing <laughs> so, yeah. where, where, leave them guessing where will we where can our listener find you so we're on YouTube, and so there's a, a video version of everything. So if the, the guest is talking about someone, I'm like, what does this person yeah. look like? Just watch the video. It's on YouTube, MediaPath, and we're at MediaPath Podcast because YouTube now has usernames. Ah, but good. we're also on all the podcasting platforms. See, so that's the wise thing to do. Apple yeah. Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you go for And before we say goodbye, I want to wish a happy 31st anniversary to me and my darling bride, Melinda hey. Peterson. Melinda Peterson. Tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, 31 years. I'm sure something major planned. And counting. Louise, Fritz, thank you so much Chinese for coming food. on the Sexy we're, we're Boomer Show. Chinese food. Oh, there you go. Take out. <laughs> you can hear the show at sexyboomershow.com. I'm Ted Bonnet. I'm still Phil Proctor. And we're going to have Carl Gottlieb, the man who wrote Jaws, yes, on next yes. week, and he's going to talk about the strike, the writer's strike. Oh, so, that's right. Tune in for that. That's right. We, that's why the show is spontaneous today. Yes. No writers. No writers. <laughs> <laughs>